What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode 3.5 of the Baseball Seasons Podcast. Uh, we're going to hop right back into it, our Hall of Fame ballot discussion. Uh, we're going to finish off the ballot and finish off our voting. So I uh, hope you enjoy. hope you enjoyed episode 3. And uh, without further ado, let's finish off this ballot and see what we both think. Um, so we'll get off that train for a hot second. We're going to get onto a different train, though, because yeah. that guy's had a nice, interesting after-career uh, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter extravaganza. So... What are your thoughts on Kurt Schilling? This is another really polarizing dude. Yeah, um, for different reasons than, like you said, we're getting away from the steroids. Um, you know, you think the bloody sock, you think the psychopathness on the mound, you think the politics on Twitter. You just think 17 different things at once when you think of Kurt Schilling. But, I mean, when you look at his numbers, he's right up there with the best of the best, too. Uh, career 3-4-6 ERA over 20 years. Um... 1.13 whip. How many strikeouts? A lot. 3,100. Um, just, again, a guy that he got on the mound and he was going to give you as good a chance as anyone to win the baseball game. And another guy that did it for 20-plus years. Um, had the postseason success, as we all know, like I said, with the bloody sock. Uh, 04 with the socks. Just, um, again, one, one of the best of all time. But uh, I think he, he gets my vote. Um, I'll, I'll put that right right on there. I don't think that politics and what he thinks and what he says on Twitter and all that should have anything to do with his Hall of Fame vote. Uh, I think that's a little ridiculous. I should be who knows as a baseball player during his time, not what he does with his free time after retiring. Um, but yeah, he gets my vote. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, just to give a little more background on the whole situation, um, I think I can state this in plain terms that voters do not like Kurt Schilling because he is a radical right winger. Um, he's a little bit of a nut job, yeah. and he's incredibly outspoken on social media about his beliefs. He does not hide behind them at all, um, and that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But uh, I would like to remind these uh, eligible voters that we're not voting for the political Hall of Fame. <laughs> we are voting for the baseball Hall of Fame, and I frankly do not care uh, what... Kurt Schilling thinks about the modern political climate of America. I simply don't care. Uh, he can think whatever the hell he wants to. And I will happily and willingly and happily again vote him into my baseball Hall of Fame. Because Kurt Schilling is so outrageously deserving that it's so blatantly obvious the bias these writers no, have on Kurt Schilling. It's absurd. The fact that he, like, he... I don't, it just, it grinds my gears. It makes me so mad that, like, let it, be mad at him, hate him all you want, disagree with him all you want. But vote him in. But, like, do your job. Do your job. You get a vote. Like, you should be honored to have this vote for the sport of baseball. He is one of the best pitchers of all time. Who cares what he says on Twitter? Vote him into the goddamn Hall of Fame. I mean, career 80 war, um, which, like Musina, is more than enough to get you in. Um, he had three seasons of 300-plus strikeouts, which, again, just way ahead of his time in terms of stuff. I mean, I mean, this this was an era where, like, six to seven strikeouts per nine was, like, pretty good. Now, like, the bar is, like, eight or nine is, like, where you should be at. Kurt Schilling had seasons where he's doing, like, 10 or 11 per nine. Um, and this was during the height of the steroid era. Uh, he was just dominating hitters um, with... Mostly with Philly and Arizona, and then back in his career, those playoff heroics with Boston, even though he wasn't at the height of his powers then, he was still managed to be effective in his late 30s. 
um, and even into his age 40 year. I um, mean, three, he never, somehow never won a Cy Young. Don't know how that happened. Uh, I'd have to look at each individual year's uh, voting, but he came in second three separate times. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume he probably deserved it at least once, just looking at these numbers. Um, because, I mean, from, in a nine-year span, from 96 to 2004, he averaged six and a half war per year, um, which is basically like, that's a legitimate Cy Young candidate every year for nine straight years. Um, yeah, I mean, and then you mix in what he did in the playoffs. He won a ring with Arizona, their only ring. Um, so he goes down and, you know, as one of the most influential pitchers in an entire team's history there. Um, the Red Sox won two rings with them, helped break the curse in 04, then do it again in 07 um, at age 37 and 40, respectively, and put together just outrageous performances. Like you said, the Bloody Sock, which is, Something he'll go down for um, in baseball history books, um, in that unbelievable ALCS against the Yankees in '04, and then in '07 he in the World Series he went out and pitched five and a third and gave up one run. I mean, age 40. This this is as Hall of Fame as a pitcher gets. Um, again, no history of cheating the game, so you can't throw that at him. All, the only thing you can throw at him is his political beliefs, which, I mean, why is Ty Cobb in the Hall of Fame then? That guy's just the worst human ever to exist. And, like, we celebrate him as an unbelievable player, as we should, because he was. Uh, Kurt Schilling, I mean, like, I, I wonder if, like, if all of the players in the Hall of Fame had access to social media accounts... How many dudes in there would be so much worse than Kurt Schilling? Um, I can't even imagine. I mean, there there are some there are some bad dudes in the Hall of Fame. Uh, not not even saying that Kurt Schilling is like a bad person. He's like his beliefs are a little bit suspect. Yeah, he hasn't hurt anyone. <laughs> like, I because there is that like personality or like character clause in Hall of Fame voting, yeah. which you can like choose to abstain for for a player on on the basis that like they're a bad person. And I just I think that would be such a stretch to apply that to Curtis Schilling. It's just you disagree, like just because you disagree with him. He hasn't committed any crimes. Yeah, like it's just he's just a weirdo. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, maybe his his outspoken views help like influence people in the wrong way or whatever. Maybe like that's just such a stretch though. He's a ba- he's a baseball Hall of Famer. That's what he is, um, and he deserves to be on everyone's ballot. And he's on mine, and he's on yours. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, that's my little spiel on Kurt Schilling. Alright. Cool. Yeah, um, I, I don't, like, I'm, it infuriates me. That's all I really have. Um, I just don't, like, how can someone's Twitter affect his Baseball Hall of Fame entrance? It's absurd to me. And these writers need to grow up, even though they're already all 80 years old. Yep, grow up. Yeah. Um, cool. Going down the list. Next man up. Omar Vizquel. Shortstop. Played on a bunch of teams, mostly the Cleveland Indians. Um, all right, I've got some thoughts on this, but I'm going to let you go first. Uh, no, uh, he's not getting into my Hall of Fame ballot. Um, great defender, just an unbelievable shortstop. Um, but again, when we talked about like a one-sided thing, he couldn't hit really that well. Um, not a bad hitter by any stretch of the imagination, but just not a good hitter, I would say. I would say average to below average throughout his career as a as a hitter um so again i don't think i'm gonna give a guy a vote for his defense as good as it was 11 time gold glover 
Um, but again, just not not enough for me on the other side of the game to get to get him in, and not good enough to like you. I don't even know how good you have to be defensively to get in purely on that. Um, I, I don't even I don't know what that would have to see for me. It would have to be a hell of a lot. Um, yeah. So just going off a couple things you said there, Omar Vizquel, uh, defender equals good. Um, <laughs> for sure. Um, the question, the rhetorical question you asked, uh, I don't know how good of a defender you have to be to get in solely in your defense, a whole lot better than Omar Vizquel was. Yeah. Um, you can throw all of the 1990s gold gloves awards at me as you want to. I really don't consider any of them. Um, defensive metrics have like, haven't really began, uh, until the mid two thousands where we actually found a way to quantify defensive value in some way, even though those metrics are, are flawed in, in numerous different ways, there's something before we had fielding percentage. And that means nothing like zero. Um, so yeah, Omar Vizquel didn't make a lot of errors. Um, take that as you will. His defense was objectively, as far as I can tell, objectively good for yeah. his entire career. Um, in the first, he had first five years of his career. He had a, at least a defensive war of 1.6 or greater in each of those five years, which is fantastic. And then his defense went from great to you know slightly above average for the I would say for the remainder of his career. Um, and if you tell me that that somehow supplants his 82 career OPS plus, you said he wasn't a bad hitter. I will go on record saying, oh, my Vizquel was a bad hitter. <laughs> that guy was bad. All right. Um, he had more sub-700 OPS seasons than he had not. Um, and that's bad. <laughs> um, especially during his later career when, for some reason, teams kept giving him jobs. I mean, he was pretty much just like an NL pitcher at the plate. Um, playing shortstop, getting every day at bats, you just can't have it. Um, and his defense was against like slightly above average. Like he, he honestly, he, for me, he doesn't even come close to a Hall of Fame player. Um, I liken him more to like a borderline All Star player. Like I, re I do not think highly of Omar Vizquel. If he played in today's game, it, it, even like prime Omar Vizquel played in today's game, he'd be a bench player. I don't even think he starts on a major league team. Um, his defense simply, he, he's like a, how would I liken him? I'd liken him kind of to like a Jose Iglesias. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like he can play flashy defense. I think like everyone looks at his hands, how quick he was. I mean, he had unbelievable hands on every scale. He can get the ball of his glove like faster than you can blink. Um, and that's awesome. Looks great. Looks really smooth. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't provide all that much value. Um, again, slightly above average, and his bat was horrible. So, uh, Omar Vizquel last year got 37% of the ballot, and this is probably, uh, we've talked about all these polarizing guys, for some reason, I am the most angry at everyone's overwhelming support of Omar Vizquel, because in my opinion, he is nowhere even near being a Hall of Fame player. Uh, when you, I mean, comparing Omar Vizquel to some of the names, like, he has more more votes last year than Larry Walker, Fred McGriff, Manny Ramirez, Jeff Kent, Gary Sheffield. We're going to get into these guys later, but that's a joke that he had more than them. Um, he's he's he deserved to be kicked off the ballot last year on his first year. Like, I would put him on par with the guys who are going to get kicked off this year. Like you know, like uh, Roy Oswalt, Miguel Tejada, Kevin Euclid, even like like these are like 
players that were an all-star like a couple of times. I mean, even, he was only an all-star three times. <laughs> Not that I give any credit to that, but even like the people, like the people of his time didn't think he was all that great. Like, what are we doing? Just because he played 24 years at, at average to below average baseball? Like, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, sir. I give no credence to the Omar Vizquel Hall of Fame candidacy. Um, none at all. 45 career war over 24 years. That's what an average of less than two per year. Good for you, Omar Vizquel. A two war means you're uh, an average MLB starter. So you didn't even hit that. Bad. You're bad. Get off. You don't get my vote. I don't think he was that good either, but that was mean. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's just a disgrace, the support that he's getting compared to what he should. Um, I think it's more, too, like, compared to other guys. Like, I, I don't really like care. With the, with the guys around him, he should not be getting any votes. Yeah, I don't really, like, I, I, Omar Vizquel, like, cool. But when you're taking away votes from other guys that I care about, then that's where we have a problem. I mean, when Placido Polanco has a greater OPS plus than you, and he's an Hall of Fame ballot, like, I'm not... You can't be 18% worse at half the game. Yeah. No, you can't. You just can't. You can't. Um, all right. Moving on to Larry Walker. Um, another guy that I'm kind of impassioned about. Uh, this is Larry Walker's ninth year on the ballot. Uh, got 34% of last year's vote. Again, I don't know why he hasn't been, he's not a Hall of Famer yet. This is like as inexplicable to me as Mike Messina or Curtis Schilling, why they're not in the Hall of Fame, because they're so clear-cut Hall of Famers. Um, and with Larry Walker, I'm going to make a very similar argument as I made to Todd Helton, except even more extreme, because Larry Walker played most of his career in Colorado. Um, and the course field bias is just so extraordinarily real. I'm so sick of it. Um, but Larry Walker was better than Todd Helton, uh, which is hard to do because, like, we went over before. Todd Helton was pretty damn good. Um, Larry Walker, he has an MVP under his belt in 1997 when his uh, line was 366, 452, 720, <laughs> which was 78% better than uh, a league average. Um, so this guy was pretty much like, I don't want to say like a. I mean, he was, he was like the best hitter in the game for like three years, where he had uh, a thousand plus OPS and then continued to do it for pretty much like the remainder of his career, um, even into his 30s. He aged like the finest of wines. Um, his career war of 72.7, that's a Hall of Famer by any standard. Um, career OPS plus of 141. Um, played average defense, which is good enough to support support his offense and not take away from it, which I wouldn't say it did. Uh, he was an outfielder. Um, and, I mean, his, his career his career OPS of 965, I mean, that's, we're, we're getting into, like, Manny Ramirez territory now, and he never, he never got caught taking steroids. Uh, he played in the steroid era and kept pace with those guys uh, offensively. And uh, Larry Walker is one of the most talented players on the ballot. And simply deserves a Hall of Fame book. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, just the area, I never really saw him play that much. Um, but looking at his numbers here, I mean, the guy raked. No other real way to describe it. Raked. Yeah, there's not, you know, there's not two ways about raking. You either rake, you don't rake. Larry Walker raked. Uh, never saw him do it. Don't think I really need to. Now looking at his numbers, um, and I agree. I think if you look at other guys that are in the Hall of Fame, they're going to get in the Hall of Fame. 
that voters have voted for, I, I don't see how you can get much better than this. No, Larry Walker's better than the average Hall of Famer yeah. right now. Yeah, no, I would, I would definitely agree with that. So again, I think it's just, I think the writers sometimes are just so dumb. I think they're so out of touch with certain things um, that it's, it's a little, it's a little frustrating. And I'm sure it's frustrating for Larry Walker. I mean, what else do you want the guy to do? Um, he's probably sitting back looking at like, what the fuck do I have to do to get into the Hall of Fame? And uh, these other guys. That's are, a great question, Larry. Yeah, I've got no idea yeah, for you. No idea. I'm sorry, Larry. I'm very, very sorry. But um, yeah, I think the writers are just. I don't. I don't know what their deal is. But I agree, Larry Walker. Looking at his stuff, uh, I mean, the guy, the guy raped. So um, that's all I got on him. I don't really know what else to say other than that. Um, anything else for you, Larry? I'll say this. I, I said his his defense was about average, which it was. Um, maybe like a tick above league average. Um, so all for all you voters who – and again, Omar Vizquel got 3% more of the vote than this guy. Um, Larry Walker's offensive output was about double Omar Vizquel's over his career. Uh, and all you voters that are gushing over Omar Vizquel's gold gloves, he won 11 gold gloves, a lot of gold gloves, no doubt. Not that I care about any of them, but he won 11 gold gloves. And if you want to put that argument on me, Larry Walker won seven gold gloves and had twice the offense as Omar Vizquel and got 3% less of the vote. I'm sorry, writer, these writers are stupid. <coughs> Let's get some objectivity in here. Come on. Like, what are you looking at? Do you not have access to the internet? Like, the numbers are here. They say what they did. Like, I don't need to have seen... I, I pretty much didn't see either of these guys play. Omar Vizquel I saw, you know, late in his career when he was, like, really, really bad. Um, but, yeah, I didn't see either of these guys play. And I don't really feel like I have to to say that Larry Walker was about two to three times the baseball player that Omar Vizquel was. Um, the fact that he was lacking him on the ballot is just a testament to how dumb these voters are. Um, yeah, it's a travesty, and hopefully it'll get fixed. Maybe maybe they'll wake up this year and Larry Walker's numbers will spike because next year is going to be his last year on the ballot, and it'd be an absolute crime if he's not in the Hall of Fame because he's, he's simply better. You take the average Hall of Famer, and he's better than them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, next on the list, Fred McGriff, last year on the ballot, first baseman. Um, Fred McGriff did not make the cut for me. Um, I liken Fred McGriff to a similar case as Lance Berkman. Um, great player, great hitter, uh, just doesn't have enough, quite yeah. enough. Uh, his career war is 52.6, which is like exact same as Lance Berkman. Um, both played first base, not particularly good at defense, pretty bad actually, and a great hitter. So. Yeah, I mean it's it, they're like that was a great comparison. They're very similar. Just when you're again when you're one dimensional, you got to be spectacular. He was very very good. I'm sure his you know the play pitchers he played against all that respected him and who he was as a hitter just wasn't good enough. Um, and that's not taking away anything from what he did. He had a great career, um, a great player. But again, when we're when we're talking about the Hall of Fame, you got to be special. And he just I don't he wasn't there. Yeah, very, very similar to Lance That's a great point, looking at both their numbers. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, it is his last year on the ballot. I don't think it's going to happen for him. Um, but I think here's a different kind of point to bring up. I think it is interesting when you get guys like this in their last years and how it affects other people. 
because we only get, I'm saying we like I have a vote, but writers only get 10 votes. So, you know, do you, are you sentimental? You want to give McGriff your vote, but then who are you leaving off? So it's an interesting ripple effect when guys are on their last year. Um, it's a lot different when it's Edgar Martinez, who absolutely should get in, than Fred McGriff, who is obviously less of a sure thing, not sure, obviously not a sure thing at all. Um, just an interesting ripple effect it kind of has on the rest of the ballot. Yeah, I mean, he came in at 23% of the vote last year. I mean, even sentiments included, I don't see him getting a 52% spike no. in one year. No. Um, he's, he's just simply a tick below borderline. Um, so, yeah, he doesn't get either of our votes. But I think the next guy's another interesting dude to talk about. Manny Ramirez, third year on the ballot, noted PED user. Um, came in at 22% last year. I have... Some thoughts on that, but I want to hear your overall assessment of Manny Ramirez first. Um, one of my favorite players of all time. One of the most exciting players of all time. Um, one of the most entertaining players of all time. But he's not on my ballot. Really? Really. And this is, we were talking about this before. Oh my. This is where, this is where my line is. So, Manny Ramirez was suspended, not once, but twice. Um, in, in the era, like the era that Clemens and Bonds were in a lot different than the era that Ramirez got suspended. in. So again, the MLB kind of changed their ways. Uh, I don't know the name of the, it was a, it was a combined act between the MLB and the players association. Uh, I want to say, I don't know if it was in 2008, it was, it was around that time. But um, just a different time for steroids in baseball than when Clemens and Bonds and all them were doing it. Um, so yeah, when you're suspended twice, um, you're not you're not getting my vote. Um, it's all for me. It's the era of the MLB's negligence, negligence, um, and all that kind of stuff that that I get those people in. But Manny, for me, you can't get suspended twice when the MLB's changed their ways. Um, that's when I draw the line. So. So you're one of the people I'm mad at. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> good to know. Good yep. to know. Um, yeah. So I'm about to. I'm about to. I really thought Manny Ramirez should be on your ballot. Like oh. I really did, uh, because I simply do not understand how you can vote for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and not put in Manny Ramirez on your ballot. I mean, if you cheated once, if you cheated twice, like I, I don't know why we're drawing the line at one. I feel like you draw the line at zero, or you don't draw the line. Um, well, that's that's. I'm not drawing the line at the amount of times. I'm drawing the line at the era in which he did it and the suspension. I mean, I suspensions plural, but again, that's sure. not where I'm drawing the line. But that is a fact. He got suspended twice. Yeah, the suspensions were due to the fact that he got caught during his playing career, which is entirely because they started testing in 2003. So you couldn't really get caught between 91 and 2003, despite it being illegal. Like, if they weren't testing, how are you getting caught? Like, you're not. Do we, Barry Bonds, stop taking steroids in 2004? I think. I mean, probably not. Okay. <laughs> I really, like, there's... Well, also, like, when you think about it, probably, because if they're testing no dudes, they're way. testing Barry Bonds every day, no? Wasn't 2004 the best year of his career? Yeah? Yeah, no shot he wasn't taking steroids. I, I'm, I'm not going to say one way or the other, but we, we don't know it, so I'm not going to say it. Um, Manny Ramirez, we know, took steroids after 2003, um, so he got caught because they tested him and they came up positive, um, which was not really a possibility for at least Roger Clemens um, during the time he was caught. Um, 
So yeah, I think that makes Minimer is more stupid, sure. Um, but if I my my line is at zero, and if we're crossing the line, the that line's crossed, and that line's not getting drawn again. Um, so Manny Ramirez, in my opinion, should be on every single ballot that includes Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens because Manny Ramirez, in my opinion, is the greatest right-handed hitter to ever play baseball, um, and that's including names like Willie Mays and this one hurts me a little bit. But Albert Pujols, Hank Aaron, A. Rod. Some of the great players of all time. I put offensively. I put Manny Ramirez right with that group, or at the top of that group. Um, a career 996 OPS. He had a thousand OPS for his entire career. That's insane. Um, that somehow never won an MVP, but was always in it. He was top ten for like was this eight straight years. Um, won the Silver Slugger like every single year. Um, like, yeah, I mean, there's not not a lot to say besides him being probably the greatest right-handed hitter to ever live. Um, his defense was bad. It took away from his value, which is unfortunate, uh, especially because when he was in Boston, he couldn't play DH because uh, noted Dave Ortiz was already occupying that position. Um, kind of was bad that they had two unbelievable DHs in the same team. It only room for one of them. So Manny Ramirez had to play left, and he was really, really bad at it. Um, but... Not nearly bad enough that it would take away from his Hall of Fame candidacy in my eye just because his hitting was so unbelievably extraordinary. Um, of course, he's not on my ballot because my line is at zero times getting caught, and he got caught twice, which is very much above that zero. Um, but if I was to fill out a ballot with steroid users on it, Manny Ramirez would no doubt be one of the first guys on there. He'd be the third guy on there after Pons and, and Clemens. Um, because his talent level was so unbelievably ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, from a talent basis, he, he'd be blown well thing. It's just the difference in eras. When Clemens and Bonds did it, for me, it's as much... But they on, couldn't have gotten caught. <laughs> dude, did you th- really think they stopped? Like, they didn't know. The MLB didn't know. I don't know that. I really... You're, I like, you're being naive, I think. Uh, you, this how do you get caught taking steroids if, if it doesn't come up in a P-test? Well, they you think you think Barry Bonds stopped taking steroids in two thousand four? Someone has to see him injecting it. Like, how did you get caught? You think he stopped taking steroids in two thousand four? Or he learned to hide it really well. I don't know. I think that's absurd to me, and I think that for them that era, it's just as much on the MLB as it is on the players. Do you think Barry Bonds got caught taking steroids after two thousand three? They just didn't choose yes. to suspend him, but they chose to suspend Manny Ramirez. Yes. Why? Well, Manny Ramirez also did it in what two thousand ten. The nine, yeah, yeah, like that's that. so much later. It's just that it's it's such a different era of baseball and how the steroids were looked at and all that kind of stuff. Manny wasn't going along with the steroid era. He wasn't doing it because everyone else was doing it. He was doing it because he made a conscious choice, and the MLB was cracking down on it more. And he got caught twice doing it. Um, it's just a completely different ball game in my mind between. <clears throat> the late 90s and early 2000s compared to 2010 when Man Ramirez did it. Um, talent-wise, again, like Barry Bonds, greatest hitter of all time. I don't like steroids. I don't want like my whole argument to be that I, I think that steroids are a good part of the game, but I just think that we can't punish guys in the Barry Bonds and Clemens era for the MLB's negligence where when Manny did it, that wasn't the problem. But they, you, but you think that Bonds did it after 04. Yeah, of course. So that's a different era now. 
But you never get suspended. Well, I mean, that's what we care about, whether or not they get suspended? If yes, get... because that's the MLB's problem. Ah. Uh. I don't like the argument. It's the it's just as much the MLB's fault as it is the players' this, fault. This is a player era. evaluation, not a not an MLB evaluation. No, but we can't punish players for the league's stupidness. Though that era, that nineteen ninety six mm. to two thousand five era, was just as much the MLB's fault, and not even fault because I'm sure they loved it. Uh, I would bet my life that Bud Selig. He might have bought steroids for Barry Brown, Barry Bonds. Like he might have purchased them with his own dollar bills. Like I wouldn't even if that came out, I'd be like, "Yep, makes sense." Because the amount of popularity and money and attention the MLB got during that era is so astronomical compared to what people think of baseball now. They were raking it in back then. People were loving the game. People were tuning in every night, um, and so. Whether you agree with that business approach from MLB, that era and the the shadiness and the sliminess and the things around it were just as much the MLB's fault as it was the players. Five years later in 2010, that's not the case anymore. That's not how it goes anymore. The MLB is no longer turning a blind eye. The MLB is no longer really being shady. There's some set in stone rules. There's some set in stone guidelines. There's some ban- like the banned substances are what they are. The tests are happening all the time. This is no longer the MLB's fault. This is Manny Ramirez's fault. Cheated the game when he knew he couldn't do it. Back then, they cheated the game, but like there were some lines there. There were some gray lines. It was cloudy. When Manny Ramirez did it, he did what he did. He knew it, and he did it twice. So um, it wasn't a mistake. He didn't take a banned substance by accident um, the first time because then the second time, he got tested for – a masking substance, which you only take when you're trying to hide something. Yeah. So um, I just think the errors are complete. It's not comparable um, just because of how the MLB operated then and how they operate now. I mean, just for me, cheating is a binary thing. You do it, you don't do it. Um, and he did it. Um, but I just find it incredibly weird that Barry Bonds gets 56% of the vote and Manny Ramirez gets 22% just because – if we're just if we're just throwing everything out the window and just talking numbers and talent, Manny Ramirez is the third best player in this ballot. But I don't think it. I think it's people are kind of where I'm at, where the steroid era is what it was, and there's no we we can't erase that part of baseball's history. It happened, and it was good for the game, and it was shady, and it was weird, and it was slimy. Um, I've said slimy a lot today. Yeah. But um, that that era happened. That there's no getting around that. But 2010 also happens, and 2010 was way different. I just Manny Manny was worse than me than by far than what Barrett Bonds or Schilling or not Schilling, sorry, excuse me, Clemens did by far. So. All right. I just think it's a weird line to draw, but um, I see where you're at. Um, but I don't agree with it. And, right. I, and I, I wish. I mean, I don't wish bon, uh, Manny Ramirez had a higher number, but I wish he was closer to Bonds and Clemens, which is I think where he deserves to be, wherever that number is. Um, yeah, so Manny Ramirez does not appear in either of our ballots. Um, moving down the line, Jeff Kent uh, received fourteen point five percent of the ballot uh, last year. He's a second baseman. Um, played most of his career with the Giants and a little bit of the Dodgers in the back end. He played with a lot of different teams, though. Uh, known for his power at second base, which is pretty um, rare. 
one of the better offensive second basemen of all time. Um, finished his career with a 123 OPS plus, which is, you know, that's really good from that position. It's historically offensively weak. Um, you could make some arguments for Jeff Kemp. Uh, Jeff Kent, he has an MVP under his belt in 2000. Um, when he played alongside Barry Bonds, that 3-4 combo is pretty, pretty legit. Um, but for me, Jeff Kent doesn't have quite enough. His career war was 55.4. Um, I think the argument for him strengthens when you compare him to other second basemen. Um, I just feel like I would have I would have liked to see another like 10 war added onto that. I don't think I don't think 55 is enough. Now we're in like like do I think Dustin Pedroia is gonna be all of famer? No, like I think he's around this same criteria. Um, I just feel like they're they're just a take under where they need to be. Yeah, it's a lot of the, a lot of these guys are kind of that same way where really great baseball players not great enough to Hall of Fame, and I think that's fine. I mean, there's again no taking away anything from Jeff Kent's career. Hell of a career, hell of a baseball player. Just you know, when it comes down to Hall of Fame, you got to be the best of the best. And Jeff Kent, unfortunately for me and for you, obviously is just not not there. No, I, I think that one's a little, all cut and dry. Um, didn't get a whole lot of support on, on last year's ballot. And his, that was his, this is his sixth year um, appearing on the ballot, and I feel like he's just sort of going to plateau around the you know 13 to 25 percent range and never really get there over the hump. Um, so yeah, next guy on the list, Gary Sheffield. I believe he was caught using steroids, so that impacts things a little bit for me at least. Um, yeah, what do you think of Sheffield? Uh, quick thing. If you have never tried to emulate his batting stance playing wiffle ball, um, you're missing out because I did that more times than I could count. I think everyone did. Yeah, one of the most iconic um, guys at the plate of all time. Like, you see him up there, you know exactly who it is. Um, you know, donning the pinstripes. Um, but for me, again, another one of those guys, just not enough. Really close, really, really close. I think he's like more borderline than some of the other guys, but for me, he's just not getting my uh, getting my vote. Um, but still, again, great player, great memories of him, you know, on my TV and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, not happening for me. I like in Sheffield to sort of like a Manny Light, yeah. where um, similar type players, all bat, glove, horrible glove, um, but he had 140 career OPS plus, uh, 907 career OPS. Um, guy absolutely mashed over 500 homers. I mean, more walks than strikeouts. Just an absolutely dominant hitter. But I'm not quite as good as Manny Ramirez. He has the steroid thing going against him. Uh, career war of 60.5 puts him pretty borderline. But I think um, given the, the strength of the ballot and then the steroid thing around him, I don't see Sheffield ever getting the necessary support to get in, especially given that he only got 11% of the ballot last year. This is his fifth year now on the ballot. Um, yeah, Sheffield's not getting either of our votes here. Um, yeah, so moving on to Billy Wagner. Uh, I think this debate gets more interesting with the induction of Lee Smith this year. Um, Billy Wagner, a longtime closer, mostly for the Houston Astros, spent some time with the Phillies and the Mets, then bounced around a little bit later in his career. Um, but yeah, Billy Wagner was one of the most dominant relievers for like 15 years. <laughs> In baseball, um, strikeout numbers off the charts. Averaged 11.9 Ks per nine over his career. 
231 career ERA. Um, his control was exceptional for how often he struck out dudes. Average of 3.0 walks per nine over his career. Uh, sub one whip. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was like as consistently great as relievers get a historically volatile position there. Um, he even got some Cy Young traction in some years, multi-time All-Star. Um, his career war was 27.8. Well, I don't love war for relievers. Um, compared to other relievers, that's a that's a very respectable mark. Um, my thing, again, like I said with Mariano Rivera, my bar with relievers is so maybe unfairly high that um, even around like Billy Wagner's like I would and it's not that I don't think that he might be Hall of Fame worthy it's just I would rather vote for other guys at more valuable positions than reliever um Billy Wagner pretty much did all he could to to, to prove to me otherwise but um for me I just don't value the position as much as other positions so that's mostly what it comes down to for me yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think as a reliever, you need to be the best of the best, and which he was, but he was never on the Rivera, you know, level. Um, just a great asset to his team, but I am I don't undervalue them as much as you do, but I do agree. You need to be something special as a as a reliever to get in. Um, and yeah, Wagner does not get my vote, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, just kind of how. It goes. Even though I think he's better than Lee Smith, who's now in the Hall of Fame, yeah. which is annoying to me that I'm leaving a guy off that I know is better than a Hall of Famer. Um, but yeah, life isn't always fair, Billy. Um, so yeah, keep going down the list. Scott Rowland uh, received 10.2% of the ballot. This is his second year. Um, third baseman, Phillies and Cardinals, and kind of Reds. Um, what are your thoughts on Scott Rowland, Cy Gosson? He's on my ballot, um, which I don't know if that's surprising. I guess we'll have to wait to hear what you say and kind of what other people say. But I love Scott Rowland. I think he is a phenomenal or was a phenomenal baseball player. Um, I think 70.2 career war, which I think we've kind of said, that's that's pretty close to an I get, That gets you there. That gets you there. And just combined with how long he played, how much he meant to the organizations he played for, the reputation he has around the league, um, you don't really hear bad things about Scott Rowland uh, and kind of the guy he was and his teammates and what they thought of him. So uh, Scott Rowland in his second year, I would give him the vote. Uh, I would put him on my ballot, and I hope I hope he makes a pretty big jump and kind of gets you know gets up there so that he can eventually get in because it's not going to be this year, but. Um, I just think that if there ever is a time, maybe give him a little jump, and we'll see in a few years where he's at. But yeah, Scott Rowland, one of my favorite players of all time. Maybe I'm a little biased there. I love watching him play, um, even the later half of his career when obviously that was not his prime, but still a uh, great player, well-liked around the league, well-respected, and has the numbers to back up that stuff. Uh, yeah, let me tell you, you're not biased. Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer. Um <laughs> This is, this is another candidate that I'm one of the most passionate about of anyone on the ballot. Uh, I think he's just criminally underrated because, like I said, it's, it's very difficult to properly evaluate defense um, in the era that he played. But um, toward the back half of his career, we, we could get somewhat of a glimpse of how good he was at, at third. Um, he was He's one of the best defensive third basemen of all time. Um, 
they started counting defensive run saves in 2003. Um, so from 2003 to 2012, when he retired, he managed to pile up 116 defensive runs saved. And um, again, that's not even including the first was this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years of his career. Uh, that's 116 defensive runs saved. Uh, there was a year in 2004 he had 30 in one year defensive runs saved. Um, he won the Gold Glove that year deservingly. Uh, he put up a 9.2 WAR that year in 2004 because he also had a 1,007 OPS. Um, that's about as dominant of a single season um, as anyone on the Hall of Fame ballot has had. Um, and that's not to say that Scott Rowland was a one-hit wonder because he absolutely was not. Um, again, like I said, that defense played for his whole career, and then offensively, he was 22% better than the league average hitter about. Um, so we're not talking about Omar V. Scale because he was a better defender than Omar V. Scale, and he was about three times the hitter that Omar V. Scale was too. Um, sorry, I keep trashing on Omar V. Scale. But no, you're not. Yeah, you're not. Sorry. I'm not sorry at all because Omar Vizquel got three times the the ballot support of Scott Rowland. So I'm, I'm not sorry. That's that's the part I was talking about before, where like that that's what gets me angry. I don't care really about Omar Vizquel, but when he's taking away votes from my boy Scotty Rowland, that's when we have a problem. So yes, I now I'm angry too because I agree with you that if it was just Omar Vizquel and it's not affecting anybody else, then who cares? But that's not how this system works because it does affect someone else if you put Vizquel on your ballot because if you fill your 10 slots, that means you're leaving someone else off. And if one of those guys is Scott Rowland, that's now now we have an issue. So, um, yeah. And they're both – they're the same year. They're like – they're both yep. in their same like kind of situation here with the, with the Hall of Fame. So that's criminal. Um, I don't get it at all, and I love Scott Rowland. Yeah, I mean, for the first 10 full seasons of his career, he averaged 5.4 war, and that's even including two half seasons in there that were cut short due to injury, and that number is still 5.4, which translates to 6.1 war per 650 play appearances, so that kind of prorates it over full season every year, um, which is borderline MVP candidate every year for 10 straight years. which is exactly what you want to see in a Hall of Famer. And how voters are missing this, I don't know. 10.2% of the ballot is ridiculously low. That's, I mean, we're talking almost in danger of him falling off the ballot. Um, and this guy deserves to be enshrined as one of the great third basemen to ever play. Uh, he's just an absolute talent on both sides of the ball, and you don't see that too often. Yep. Um, so it's weird for a guy this good to be this far down on the ballot, but there he is. <laughs> um so yeah, um, coming towards the end here, uh, Sammy Sosa, <laughs> another steroid guy. How did the steroid era? A uh, fun guy, another weird personality off the field a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think your thoughts on Sammy Sosa will be more interesting than mine. So uh, he's not on my ballot. Okay. So I don't know if that's rude, but again, it's it's not a steroid thing. I don't care that he took steroids because it was the same era. He just wasn't good enough. Um, yeah, he had the three seasons where he had 60 bonds, but it's also another point too, is where like, he wasn't really that good outside of those years. Like when you have four straight seasons of like 50 plus home runs with 66 and 64 in there, and you still only rack 58 war in your career, like outside of those years, he was not like all that he was not a hall of fame player yep. outside of the years where he was juicing like there was no tomorrow 
I think he had some special stuff. He got a hand. He got his hands on something that like the other guys didn't, because he was a like a monster for those four years, but like a literal monster. But outside of that, he just really wasn't a great baseball player. He wasn't a Hall of Fame talent. So four years for me is not really enough for a Hall of Fame vote for me. But it's not the steroids because we've been over this. I don't I, that during that era, that wouldn't have been what deterred me. Uh, it's more so the fact that he had four or five really good years, but um, yeah. No, I actually agree with that assessment. On a, just a pure talent basis, I wouldn't vote Sammy Sosa in my Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, like you said, he had he had this absolute peak where his OPS plus was one sixty seven in five years, and then outside of that, he was like slightly above league average hitter. Yeah. And for a completely bad first guy like Sammy Sosa, you want to see a little bit better than a 128 career OPS plus. Um, it doesn't really stack up to the guys that he's competing with for the, the steroid votes. And then even like, that's like Scott Rowland hitting, except Scott Rowland played awesome defense. Too. Yeah. So um, yeah, Sammy Sosa wouldn't even get on if he didn't take steroids, but he did. So he's automatically disqualified for me anyway. But yeah, I don't really... Um, have a whole lot else to say about Sammy Sosa's career. It's just, it's a weird one. It's one of the weirder ones. I mean, like in 2001, he had a 10.3 war, which is one of the best single seasons ever. And he's, that's that accounted for over one sixth of his career war in one season. That really tells the story of Sammy Sosa, I think. Um, yeah, not consistent enough. And steroids. Cool. Um, so, yeah, getting to our last name on the list here Andrew Jones. Received 7.3% of last year's ballot. Um, this is his second year now. And a uh, longtime Braves center fielder. What do you think of Andrew Jones? Uh, again, really good player. Liked him a lot. Really good defender in the outfield. Um, but just another one of those guys for me. Just not there. Uh, career OPS plus of 111, so 11% better than league average. It's just not enough for me to put him in the Hall of Fame. Was a ten-time Gold Glover. I know we don't just put our whole our, our stock into Gold Gloves, but his advanced metrics when they did come out were pretty good uh, for an outfielder. But again, just come by like his entire you know line of work was simply not enough for me to get a vote on my ballot. Loved loved the guy, loved, loved the player he was. Very exciting player. Just uh, you know not not there for me. Very close though. Uh, yeah, like you said, um, those defensive metrics that started coming out in 2003, he managed to compile 65 defensive runs saved um, from 2003 to 2012 when he was from age 26 to 35. So that ignores his age 19 to 25 season, which where he was probably peak athletically and probably those defensive numbers would have would have reflected that. So we're probably missing a a very, very, very sizable portion of his defensive work there. Um, but yeah, you don't get 10 gold gloves. Even though I don't value them, you don't get them by, you don't get 10 gold gloves by accident unless your name's Derek Jeter. Um, and his name is Andrew Jones, which isn't Derek Jeter. So um, I'm going to say, judging by his late career, I mean, it's hard to keep up great outfield work in your mid to late 30s, and he managed to do that. So I'm going to say in his early 20s, he was probably playing a damn good center field too. Um, Andrew Jones is a very unique case. One of the great power defense combos you'll see playing a premium defensive position. And surprisingly enough, Andrew, ba Andrew Jones is on my Hall of Fame ballot. 
um, he gets my ninth spot. Um, yeah, seven point three percent of the vote. He's he's way too good to be in danger of falling off the ballot this this quickly. Um, I mean, two thousand five, he had fifty one home runs. Um, he had thirty plus for about six straight years. Um, just a for, a force with the bat. I mean, his his career OPS stands at one eleven, which if he was a bat first guy would not would not be that great. But he's not bat first guy. I would say his defense is actually equivalent to his offensive work in terms of importance. And he had a he had a run a nine year run from uh, 1998 to 2006 where he averaged 6.1 WAR per year. And I know I've been I've been stating a lot of these like peak uh, like year spans for all these players. I think I value that a whole lot. Um, I think that separates the really great players from the just like the accumulators who play, you know, 20 years and are like pretty good for every year and end up with like a 70 war that way. I'd rather pick the guys that were absolutely standout for still a good sample of years, like an eight, nine year window. Um, and Andrew Jones absolutely passes that test with flying colors. I mean, if you average six war for nine straight years, you were, you were at the top of the game. For, for that span. Um, and yeah, his career didn't last maybe as long as it could. I mean, he came into the uh, league at 19, so you would expect like a 20-plus year career. He retired at 35. Um, I guess he just didn't, he felt the decline coming, and the decline clearly came, and he didn't, he wanted to sort of go out on top in that way. So I, I can respect that. And he probably helped his overall value, to be honest. But a 63 career war is good enough for me. And, um, I'd say he's just one of the most unique center fielders. I mean, you don't see that kind of power at, at a center field while maintaining an elite level of defense. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Andrew Jones was a special talent to me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have no problem with him being on on anybody's ballot. It's just he wasn't there. It was, very, like I said, just very, very close for me. Um, another year, compared, like, he gets on the ballot next year. Obviously, he'll stay on it, but um, we'll see who he's up against next year. And, it's just I have no problem with it. Uh, just wasn't enough for me. But again, very very close, and uh, a great player, phenomenal player. Which taking nothing away from Andrew Jones by not having him on my ballot, he was a phenomenal phenomenal baseball player. All right, so uh, we got our ballots in. Just just to recap, let's just let's just read them down here. Uh, I got Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, and Todd Helton getting in on their first ballot. And then Edgar Martinez, Mike Messina, Larry Walker, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, and Andrew Jones um, filling out my total of nine people. So I didn't use all ten, but um, those are my nine guys. Yes, I have the same uh, three first-timers, Rivera, Holiday, Helton. And then I have Martinez, Messina, Clemens, Bonds, Schilling, um, and Scott Rowland. And those are those are my nine as well. So, right, so a lot of similarities there, some differences. Um I said the steroid line probably yep. differentiated our ballots the most, which I think is and that's that's common. It's a very polarizing uh, polarizing thing, and I think that is that's going to be a big talking point for for many years to come as as it kind of keeps going on, for sure. And uh, we're recording this on Monday, January first. The Hall of Fame uh, votes are expected to be announced on Tuesday, the twenty second. So hopefully we get this out to you in time where um, we can. Uh, go through this debate with you and then also see where the results lined up and, and how, how we fared. Um, obviously 
the majority of the guys we voted for will not get in. Usually there's something like three to five guys get in per year, I'd say, on average. Um, and if we're talking about who's like actually going to get in, I'd, I'd limit it to you know Rivera, Halliday, Edgar Martinez, uh, maybe Mike Messina, and that's it. Yeah, so I think the three that will get in, I think are the three you said minus so Martinez, uh, Halliday, and Rivera. I think that those are the only three they're going to get in this time around. I think Messina is going to be agonizingly close, and it's going to suck for him because he's going. To, I think he's going to be at like 71, 72. But I just don't think it's enough. He will get in next year for me. Um, but again, will not be in. Obviously, I voted for him, so um, would like to see him get in. I just don't see it happening this year. But um, I'm very curious to see how far up Clemens and Bonds get this year if they make because they made a pretty big jump last year. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see. Um, if they kind of plateau, or if they make another, if they make a jump into the 60s, now we're talking. Now we now we got a, a photo finish that last two years, so um, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think you can see that upwards trend since they've even been on the ballot for Bonds and Clemens. They've been getting slowly and slowly more and more support as we get farther and farther away from the steroid era, which I think may, might help their case a little bit. Um, the 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 shocking nature of their PED reveal is sort of like beginning to wear off or just sort of, I think maybe becoming a little bit numb to the whole story one. Yeah. And, um, and especially when they start getting to the point where like, these are their final years on the ballot. I think I do believe that Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds will be Hall of Famers one day. Um, they're just, they're too good not to be, yeah. um, just, just not on my ballot this year. Um, but it was a lot of fun going through this. Um, Definitely interesting, and I'm, I'm definitely interested to see uh, what actually happens uh, tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to forego our, our usual random player discussion because I feel like we've done a lot of player analysis already, and you're probably tired of hearing about it. So um, thanks so much for listening. Uh, this was episode three. Again, we drop uh, every Tuesday. Um, we might release this one a tiny bit early on Monday night just to, to get ahead of the Hall of Fame results a little bit. Um, but yeah, look out for us every Tuesday. Um, Jake and Noah coming at you. Um, again, check out our social media on Twitter at Baseball Seams uh, and our website, BaseballSeams.com, where I will begin writing again because <laughs> I've taken a little hiatus. But uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>